0: Hello and welcome
1: to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of the front half of a pantomime centaur to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim.
2: And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments, and the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is a new one identified by Jim called Ignoring Linear Time.
1: Yeah, so long-time listeners will know that sometimes I make up slash identify a a, a new logic in the fantasy. wild spot in
2: actual use <laughs> yeah. just make them up and try to fit no, I, the I, I,
1: I identify a, a common error in reasoning that i i don't that doesn't really fit into any of the the kind of traditional or already identified categories um and it's you know anyone can do this it's not a, a rule uh, that, that they have to be <laughs> written down somewhere can. official. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, it's it all a logical fallacy is is a is a common error in reasoning that someone's identified. And what I noticed was that actually I was kind of doing it in a, at a semi regular <laughs> level. So I, st- right. I think the first one I did was episode forty four, and then almost eleven later on fifty six. Then I did sixty six, yeah. and this is seventy seven. So wow,
2: well, there you go. Here's another yeah. one.
1: Uh, and this one is. Ignoring linear time, so mm. basically this is when someone suggests that because something hasn't already happened or been done, yeah. therefore it either won't or can't happen or be done. Right. Um, and there's okay. there's a few variations of it that we'll see, but it, they all kind of basically fit that that same idea. And obviously, this isn't true because for everything that happens or is done, there was a time before it it happened <laughs> it
2: <happens. laughs>
1: when yeah. if someone had said well it hasn't happened yet so it's not going to happen they would have been wrong
2: yeah yeah it puts me in mind of somebody at some stage said all the tunes that are ever likely to have been to be written have been written yeah it's an it's extremely made, common made thing there's
1: yeah. uh, patent people have said everything that was ever going to be invented has yeah. been invented by now and things like yeah. that yeah um, yeah, and they're always way before, right. before the <laughs> microprocessor yeah like yes. the 1700s
2: uh-huh. Yeah, before steam yeah
1: yeah yeah and when you're living i think in a in a less um accelerated technological environment hmm. i can see how you would think that when the most up-to-date stuff you've got is pretty impressive yeah. and you haven't seen an incredible change over the last like 30 years then you yep. could think, yeah, this is it. This is the peak. We're not going to get any better than this.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For all those people who visited Stonehenge for uh-huh. the summer solstice on the 21st, yeah, you know, yeah. they're all going, well, that's it. We're never going to make anything. That's like no, this is oh, it. one this story really high. <laughs> that's, yeah, that was really hard. Like putting stones on top of other stones uh-huh. without falling over, We that's it. This is the peak of technology. It's yeah. never going to get any better than this until... Og comes up and goes, I've invented a bronze axe. (laughs)
1: Shut
2: up, shut up.
1: (laughs) So our first example from Trump uh, comes from his second debate with Biden. And this was really his only argument in the entire debate that that kind of he tried to make. guess just because he can't keep more than a couple of things in his head at once so this was um, amongst all his prep this was one thing he remembered to say over and over again which was basically whenever biden said anything he would do when president
0: they should not be going to jail for a drug or an alcohol problem they should be going into treatment treatment that's what we've been trying to do that's what i'm going to get done because i think maybe The American people have now seen that, in fact, it was a mistake to pass those laws relating to the drug. But they were not in the crime bill. But why didn't he get it done? See, it's all talk, no action with these politicians. Why didn't he get it done? That's what I'm going to do when I become president. You were vice president, along with Obama as your president, your leader, for eight years. Why didn't you get it done? You had eight years to get it done. Now you're saying you're going to get it done because... You're all talk and no action, Jim. We got a lot of it done. We released thirty-eight. We got done. thirty-eight thousand prisoners left from the. You got nothing of, done. Thirty-eight thousand prisoners were released from federal prison.
1: So Joe actually handled this really well because mm. he did point out that well he didn't point out you can say that about anything I say I'm going to do. Why haven't you yeah. already done it? Yeah. But, yeah. But but he did point out that they had already done a lot of stuff towards yep. this goal.
2: He also kind of ignores the fact that the Republicans would have blocked absolutely everything oh, yeah, they tried yeah, yeah. to do at the time. And then he says, that's the problem with you politicians, <laughs> all talk and no action. Hmm, OK, so what are you then, Trump? <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, either not a politician, so therefore you can get away with all talk and no action? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't apply to you? Yeah.
1: But the, the most egregious version of it, I think, happened mm-hmm. in the first debate.
0: He says he's smart because he can take advantage of the tax code. And he does take advantage of the tax code. That's why I'm going to eliminate the Trump tax cuts. And wait. we're, going to, we're I'm going to eliminate those tax okay. cuts and make sure that we invest in the people who, in fact, need the help. People out there need help. But why didn't you do it over the last you 25 years? Because you weren't president screwing no, 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 things no. up. You were a senator. And You're the, the, the way, worst you president vice... America has How? ever had.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to reverse the Trump tax cuts. Why didn't you? Well, why didn't you do, well, that didn't 25 you do it like 25 years ago? <laughs> well, you've answered your own question there. If you'd paid attention for two minutes, rather than just determining what you had to say, you actually listened. Yeah, what? <laughs> That's exactly. And how how he thinks that carries any kind of weight at all? It you know trying to push the the burden of of action back onto Biden by saying, "Yeah, the things you're going to do that I put in place, why didn't you get rid of those 25 years ago? Yeah. Before I put the 21 years before I put them in place? Yeah, what? Well, and then, <laughs> and also, why pick on 25 years ago rather I know, that than was
1: weird?
2: Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, very yeah.
1: odd. Uh, but he also has done it with uh, Hillary." Uh, when he was talking about Hillary's uh, chances of ever combating ISIS when he said this.
0: So they started as a very small little seedling and they grew out of the vacuum left by the way we got out, right? The vacuum in Iraq. And they grew. Right now they're in 32 countries. 32 countries. And she's been there. If she could have stopped them, she would have done it already. I'll stop them, folks. I'll stop them. Believe me.
1: So, again, if she could have stopped them, she would have already done it. It suggests that it's... First of all, it suggests it's easy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And therefore, the fact that she had any power at all as Secretary of State, essentially, means that if it was possible for her to have done it, it wouldn't have taken very long, and so she would have already done it.
2: Yeah, so it skips over the fact that she probably didn't have sufficient power to be able to do that stuff, and actually it was... Yeah, and if it was due to the absence of American presence in Afghanistan or wherever, then th- then ISIS grew out of that, and then what would they do, send them back in? But that, yeah, yeah. Which is, And Trump was all about getting the troops out of Afghanistan yeah. because we ought not to be there anyway. So he had no compunction about thinking, well, okay, so we'll make another vacuum which will get replaced by ISIS 2.0. Which, which, which know, is exactly what happened when he took yeah. Trump's uh, troops out of Syria.
1: Yep. So, yeah. And now is the time, I think, for Marx-British politics. Corner.
2: Well, as seems to be the usual case, British politicians kind of avoid the, the these direct, well, I think any politician, actually, American politicians prior to Trump, probably... <laughs> Also avoid these direct and fairly crude accusatory remarks. So even Boris's favourite thing, act of calling Starmer, Keir Starmer, the leader of the opposition, Captain Hindsight, you would think would yield examples of him. Well, you know, you wanted it done so much. Why haven't? Why didn't you do it then? And I think the problem we have currently in British politics, apart from Boris, is that. Starmer's never been in power. He only became a Labour MP in two thousand fourteen and Labour hasn't been in power for over a decade. And the lack of stuff getting done and calling up that ghost, you know, notwithstanding Trump did it with Biden civil twenty five years ago, it's plainly something Boris doesn't want to talk about because the lack of stuff being done is due to the party that he belongs to. <laughs> Um, so, um, so my example of it comes from a Channel 4 News report about Home Secretary Pretty Patel's new immigration and asylum rules from March 21.
0: In 2016,
1: the British people withdrew their consent to be governed, in part, by the European Union. They also withdrew their support for a broken immigration system. We, therefore, have a democratic mandate and imperative to fix it.
2: So in the light of that, they're kind of positioning this as a a broken immigration system um, so that we can then – but they haven't got a democratic mandate. We know they haven't. (laughs) And nor do they have an imperative to fix it. It's fundamentally populist politics to be the party of controlling immigration. Um, So in the light of this announcement, Channel 4 News' Cathy Newman asks Chris Philp, the Minister for Immigration – compliance and justice, this. Chris Fult, the Conservatives have been in power now for 11 years. If the asylum system is broken, why haven't you fixed it before now? Well, until just a few weeks ago, of course, we were in the common European asylum system, the so-called Dublin system. So now we've left that at the beginning of January, we have an opportunity to fundamentally relook at the system, which we are now taking today. In addition to that, the legal system has evolved over time with case law and so on making the system difficult to operate and requiring fundamental reform. So basically he's kind of just towing the party line, throwing in also that pesky lawyers have kind of pointed out the illegalities of what the government's trying to do, which obviously <laughs> yes. needs hasn't, reform. Hasn't they need to that, that power. legal complication stuff mostly happened under the Tories though? Well, yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> Kathy, Kathy Newman is exactly right when... She says she she deliberately employs the fallacy. They've been, you've been in power for eleven years. If it was broken, why haven't you fixed it before now? So the you know the implication is, this thing's been. You you, know, you haven't done it yet. Why haven't you done it now? So, in, he goes out of his way to avoid taking any, any responsibility for that. Instead of. Well, I don't don't know. I don't know whether he's. No, he probably isn't. Whether he's smart enough not to fall for the fallacy, but he's failing to counter it. What he should. He could have said is just because it hasn't been done yet doesn't mean we aren't able to do it now. You know, and he could have added. I
1: think one of the the ways, uh, like as Biden used to counter it with our first example, um, is if you have things you can point at to say, these are steps we've taken towards solving this problem
2: yeah yeah
1: then that helps uh, and yeah, yeah if it is something that that would easily be fixed or could easily be fixed and you're still saying yeah yeah we're going to do that then it, it's it's reasonable to say why haven't you already done it
2: yes exactly yeah well, the, what they're saying is it's all europe's fault
1: yeah y- y- but you know, the, the main thing is most of these things aren't easy to be fixed, but the person who's yeah. being asked is claiming it's an easy fix and claiming that yeah. they know how to do it, and that's yes, the problem. Is that like with Trump saying, "I, I can, I'll knock oh, the hell out exactly. of ISIS"? Yeah. Um, you know, by by setting it up as this easy thing, when yeah. you then when you then don't do it, people can say, "Well, you said it'd be easy. Why haven't you done it?"
2: Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so they kind of. So what they're doing is is not saying. It's something we we can fix. They're saying, "Well, now the Europeans are out of the way, <laughs> we can mend what is a broken system." But actually, what they're doing is clamping down on the on um, lawyers who are fighting the illegality of what they're doing, you know, and and pretending they've got a mandate to do that and a moral imper- imperative to do that. Well, they haven't. It's just what the Tories do because it's a populist thing to do. Um, so, yeah, he could have just said, if he, if he was an older and wiser politician, and we'll come to an example of that in a minute, um, he could have said, well, you know as well as I do that that's a fallacy. What you've just said there is a, is a fallacious argument that, and that would have disarmed her but because he doesn't, because he's a politician, and if he could...
1: So because this balance he
2: would... he hadn't been identified until now. Well, yeah, until now, <laughs> well, they continued <laughs> until 15 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't have known it. Right, yes, exactly. But anyway, needless to say, undaunted by his waffle, Kathy's follow-up question is this... Do you accept, though, that over the years that the Conservatives have been in power, the Home Office has actually got worse at managing the system? So, for example, 10 years ago, there were almost 42,000 returns and removals. In 2019, that had fallen to just over 19,000. Yeah, well, as the Home Secretary uh, said very clearly today, the system is broken. Well, yeah, but so there you... It's become progressively say, more broken during the so administration. He could, so he wasn't able to say, unlike Biden, you know, we released 380,000 people, because the figures are, you know, terrible. Cause if, if you're the party that returns more illegal immigrants than any other party, 10 years ago, um, Theresa May was the Home Secretary. Remember Theresa May? And yeah, it was that one. She, who And she failed to continue to enact certain border controls that were available under the EU agreement, um, which conveniently led to the stance on the Leave campaign for Brexit, keep the foreigners out, because the EU won't let us, which wasn't true. And we talked about that year, um, probably years ago, that <laughs> that was a lie. And I'm Pretty is still peddling that with the EU, it's the EU that prevents us. But also it's circular reasoning, isn't it? Because he kind of um, I said, well, you know, uh, yeah, well, it's a broken system. Broken. And we we break it. Yeah. And we <laughs> broke it. And he said, well, you know, but you haven't fixed it yet. I know. Well, that's because we weren't able to. I said, well, yeah, but the numbers have gone down. But whilst you've been in power, I said, oh, well, that's because the system is broken. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same system that enabled you to deliver you know, the X thousand 42,000 10 years ago, the system hasn't changed, and now it only returns 19,000. So, you broke it. That's yeah, that I oh, know it's, it's Jesus Christ, you see. But they, yeah, and the E, so. so as far as the the British government is concerned, they're breathing a sigh of relief because they can continue to blame it on the EU, a bit like Starmer blames everything on Corbyn. They can continue to blame it on the Europeans because they put pesky little things like human rights legislation in amongst the uh, treatment of refugees, immigrants and asylum seekers. Well, now they can get rid of all of that and go, well, yeah, we can keep brown people out, you know, and... To prevent things like the delta variant coming into england at, uh, oh no that all went horribly wrong then <laughs> so our second example is uh in 2015 the uh the tory candidate for the mayor of london zach goldsmith said this by far the biggest challenge london faces is housing now the answer is not easy but it is simple so well, how does that do how does that got anything to do with the fallacy well this that quote it's not easy but it's simple comes from the labor peer who was looking into housing the housing crisis uh during the labor administration so under blair and brown and he's called andrew adonis yes really he's really called lord adonis and he wrote an article called how to fix the housing crisis and the Article begins. In my experience of public policy and government, big challenges do not always require complex solutions. Often, the essential reforms are simple. I'm also wary of the jibe if it was simple, it would have been done already. But this confuses simple with easy. If simple reforms are controversial and difficult to implement because they radically change the status quo, then politicians tend to default into waffle, half measures, or complex tweaks of the status quo, achieving little. Which is pretty much sums up the early examples as well, and I think you know it's probably me and my biases, but Adonis seems to be because he's twice the age of Philip Goldsmith and Patel. It makes him sound more aware, reasoned, and considered. In that he's identified, you know, sorry to to. Uh, Disenfranchises Jim, but he's identified <laughs> as a jibe early on. So if only philp was aware of that, he could kind of go. Or even Goldsmith was aware of it, He'd just rather just nicking it from Labour and using it in his bid to be the Lord Mayor, uh, the Mayor of London. There's this oversimplification of well Trump is a great example because he will just deride the the opposition, whoever it is, whether it's Hillary or Biden for saying, I will do stuff, and he kind of implies, well, if it's so simple, why haven't you done it? You know, and, and if, you, if she can't do it, I'll do it. But he's conflating simple with easy. I mean, it's a simple solution, <laughs> but it's not easy to implement, and that's where the people descend into waffle. Uh, There's a know.
1: parallel, I think, to this fallacy, is mm. the absence of evidence one, right. which we talked about uh, yep. a number of episodes ago now, uh, where, where, uh, as with many informal fall- fallacies, this is context-dependent, and obviously there are contexts where this seems to uh, – it's like set up in the same way, but it's not fallacious. And with the uh, people saying that, you know, if the evidence of absence isn't ab- absence of evidence, mm-hmm. we said – it is ab- evidence of absence if you've looked everywhere you would a- usually expect to find the evidence.
2: Yeah. yeah. If you
1: if you've looked everywhere and you still haven't found anything, then that is evidence that maybe there wasn't anything there to be found. It's not necessarily yeah. proof, but it's it's evidence in that direction. In the same way here, um, if if all of the criteria, all of the things were in place for this to be able to be done, um, yeah. and the motivation to be done, and and the, all of the kind of um means and opportunities were there and it still wasn't done then that's possibly evidence in, in favour of if it was going to be done it would have been done
0: already
2: Yeah If at some point we all succumb to fallacies then make it fun logic gets harder to outrun an I- Quite loud, so I can't be wrong. Bad theories and dirty tricks. The rest is Trump history onyx. We all gish gallop at breakneck speed. Slow it down, it's a fallacy, a wild fallacy. Come on, come on, your, your argument's wrong. Come on. There we are, the vaccines there with wetsuit.
1: And in The Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non political perspective. And this week, our first example comes from the excellent film, Yesterday, which is genuinely one of my favourite films of the last couple of years. um, In which. uh, musician well, the entire musician.
2: premise is this
0: fallacy, really, <laughs> yeah, isn't yeah.
1: It? Uh, oh. A struggling musician um, uh, finds success due to a kind of magical event that happens where he ends up awakening in a place where he's the only one who remembers the Beatles existing. Yeah, um, And uh, this... This scene comes much uh, earlier in the film where he's decided that he's had enough and and this gig that he's just had was kind of his last one. It's not going to happen for him. I think I hear something special in my songs. You think you hear something special and I love you for it, but no-one else does, no-one ever has. Uh, Nick loves the summer song. Nick is famously a world-class moron. If it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to. It'll take a miracle. Miracles happen! (laughs) Cue the rest of the film.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah.
1: But yeah, that feeling of if it hasn't happened by now, it's never going to happen is a common one. Um, and, and when you are doing something difficult, whether it's looking for a job or looking to, to kind of move house and find the, the perfect house for you or, you know, all kinds of different, different things which are hard to do and take a long time, it's very easy to feel at some point along that journey it should have happened by now. If it yeah. hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. Um, and and that's always true until it happens.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the 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 second bit isn't. It's not going to happen.
1: No, no, no. That's it's that bit's not true. It's you know, it's, it's, it it's always true that it yet. hasn't happened yet until yeah. it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, yes, with so all those be- things, like a job or a, or looking for a house or whatever. You you may look at several or apply to many, but you only need one success amongst all of the ones that aren't suitable or, or yeah yeah don't don't go the way you wanted. So got,
2: it, for, for me, it triggered thoughts of the thing that you know savings organisations always say, investment organisations say, past performance is no guarantee of of future results. So that you know, if you bear that in mind, that it's amazing that the world contains both the if I. If I haven't found it by now, I never will. And past performance is no guarantee. Well, that's why they to need result. to keep reminding people of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also that kind of the gambler's lament, isn't it? You know, that is the opposite of that. It's, well, I'll keep losing, so I'll keep going because mm-hmm. at some point I will win. Yeah. Which is just as true as I'll keep going and at some point I will lose. Yeah. But you know, neither of I've them. lost everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, our yeah, second
1: example uh, in this section this week comes from Castle, and uh, this is, uh, I believe, the first episode of season three. Um, Castle decided at the end of season two to um, kind of walk away from the the police and his uh, helping them solve crimes thing, partly because right. his his relationship with uh, Beckett was was difficult, um, and and in this first uh, episode, he he finds himself basically back with them because um, the victim is someone he knew.
0: Look, Castle, I'm sorry about your friend. I really am. But that doesn't mean that you can just show up and act like nothing has happened. The truth is, is if you wanted to come back, you would have already, but you didn't. So let's just face it. The only reason that you're here right now
1: is because you were at the wrong place at the wrong time. He sees it basically as a sign that it's time to come back. And she's, she's saying, if you wanted to come back, you would have already done it. Again... Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He could have wanted to come back at some point. He wanted to come back and hadn't already done it. Yeah. (laughs) And and wanting to come back but not already doing it was true all the all up until the point point where he came back.
2: Yeah, up to (laughs) the beginning of season three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I have. I've decided that, and you got it. Well, Uh I'm not going to listen to what you're saying now because. If that, if you wanted to do what you're wanting to do right now, if that were true, you would have done it already. Or well, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you know, prior to that, it's perfectly possible that somebody wouldn't want to do that. That yeah. doesn't negate the genuineness of him wanting to do it now. Absolutely. It's, it's a very yes, frustrating yeah. thing
1: to argue against because yeah. it seems like a really good argument to the person making it it.
2: yeah yeah yes it's difficult to counter you just have to go no wait a minute wait a minute
1: think this through that
2: that could but that could well be true (laughs) but i have changed my mind you know up until yesterday that was true but even even then
1: even if yesterday he wanted to or six months ago, he wanted to. In fact, yeah. the truth is, he always wanted to. He never really wanted to walk away. So,
2: yeah, yeah, It
1: was, it yeah. was true all the time that he wanted to come back. But, uh, but you don't necessarily immediately do the thing you want to do.
2: No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's yes, yeah. Because that's that's called restraint. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And uh, you know, if you really want it, what? Yeah, I actually that's just reminded me. I once. Uh, t- spoke to my mum and said, uh, she said, why don't you play? Because I, I did take up the clarinet at school because um, I wanted to play the saxophone, but they didn't have any. And she said, why didn't you continue the clarinet? And I said, well, that's because I, I think I want to play the drums. And she said, if you wanted to play the drums, you would have already been doing it. Yeah, see, so there you go. And you think, what? I haven't seen you going around tapping the furniture. And you think, OK. And you th- and because and it's, you know, your parent and you think, well, yeah, they know what they're talking about. Actually, it kind of crushes you utterly. <laughs> well, it's not
0: true.
1: It's weirdly know? prophetic because our next example oh. is, is another Nathan Fillion one. But this is from The yep. Rookie. And, right. uh, and this is where his character, John, I think, has um, a bit of a difficult relationship with his mum. Who has come to visit? He's had difficulty while she's there and wants her to right. leave.
0: Don't worry, I'm giving you exactly what you want. I'm leaving. If you were leaving, you'd already be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: well, for what, huh? <laughs> Now, to be fair, now that fair... you pointed it out, <laughs> when you kind of look at these things, they actually you've made them all ridiculous. Yeah, and that's you know, hopefully, listeners, we'll <laughs> do that for you. You know, when this occurs, you'll just go, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. To be fair,
1: um, in this scene, what he means by that is for some reason. So, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you, if all yeah. you wanted was to go, then you would have already gone. Is kind of what he means by by that. Yeah.
2: There you go. Yeah, yeah. If that's all you wanted to tell me, or if that's all you wanted me to know, <laughs> you wouldn't be sitting down now with a cocktail in your hand and you know, and a cigarette on the go, with your feet up.
1: Yes. Here's another one. This example is from the King of Staten Island, where Pete Davidson, his mum has started a relationship with a uh, after his dad's died with a new man. And uh, the the new man's played by Bill Burr. And Pete's character goes to Bill Burr's ex-wife to find out about him so that he can tell his mum negative things about her new man and try and break them up, Right, basically. And he's confronted by the new man.
0: You went to the person that hates me the most to get the worst review you could possibly get. Why don't you come down here and ask these guys what they thought of me? Did you ever think of doing that? (sighs) I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, You're not sorry, done... or you wouldn't have done it. Yeah, that—that that, yeah. to
1: my mind is an absolutely classic example of this, and and one I've certainly heard before is if you were sorry, you wouldn't have done it.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you. But the thing is, you you can't because when you proffer an apology, it's because of something that you've done. that yeah. You know, hence the 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 filmmaker's adage it's better to ask forgiveness than permission yeah. <laughs> that is that you know you 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 do something and then you realise it's wrong and then you offer up an apology because you've made that realisation after you have done it that it was something that you ought not to have done and therefore can apologise for. You can't... Yeah, you can't be sorry about something yes, exactly. you haven't done yet. <laughs> That's the very definition of being sorry, is for something you have done.
1: And it's a bit of a kind of toxic relationship thing... Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, to, ...to say. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, obviously it's nice to to accept apologies when offered especially if they're if they're if they're sincere um but yeah it's kind of it's almost gaslighting to to tell someone they're not sorry when they're telling you they are sorry yeah um and and to kind of offer as as evidence for that the fact that they did the thing they're now saying they're sorry for sorry for yeah um so therefore they can't possibly be sorry because otherwise they wouldn't have done it
2: it is yes that's probably that's textbook gaslighting, isn't it? Well, maybe not. I think textbook gaslighting is all the things that happened in gaslight. Yeah. 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 That probably wasn't one of them. But, yeah, I came up with an example from Eminem. It's like the one of Naughty Jack from Spinal Tap about a serial killer. Eminem plied that particular furrow with one called Same Song and Dance. It's a cheery ditty about a serial killer. And the lyrics go come with me to Brighton, let me relieve your tension, you little wench, your murder wasn't my intention. If I wanted to kill you, it would have already been done. Yeah. You kind of go, well, mm, you you can't have done that because you've just picked her up in a club and then you're trying to entice her into your car. And to as your defence is, well, look, I'm not going to kill you because if that would have happened nobody had done it that's quite threatening rather than <laughs> rather than reassuring you know i would suggest you know and then she gets in and she he lynches her with 66 inches of extension cord and yeah
1: yeah it's very... not an uncommon turn of phrase actually in in movies is you know if if i wanted to kill you you'd already be dead kind yeah, of, yeah. it's kind of a badass villain type thing to say yeah, yeah. um and um, one of the reasons I didn't include something like that was partly because, I mean, in this case, it's it's immediately followed by him actually killing her. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, but in most cases, it's kind of them saying as proof that they don't want that thing. Yeah, is is saying if I have had the opportunity to kill you and would have done if I wanted to. Um yeah. So it's kind of offering that as as genuine evidence. That they, that they don't want to kill you, in a way. Yeah. That they yeah. don't want you dead, which Part is reasonable. the, the
2: that ongoing subplot of Breaking Bad, really.
1: Yeah. So an example uh, that I found of where this is kind of similarly used but not fallacious right. um, was when uh, four British yachtsmen basically capsized in the Atlantic coming back from mm-hmm. a, a, a regatta in the Caribbean. Yep. And the U.S. Coast Guard and various other organizations searched for them for a few days, actually. Uh, One of the searchers basically gave a statement to the press. He said, "Uh, we searched with multiple assets over 4,000 square miles for pings from the vessel's personal locator beacons. After receiving no more transitions, we believe that we would have found them by now if we're going to find them. These beacons are small devices, and the ones being used have a very short battery life. So... Yep they he's using it in the same way if we if we were going to find them we would have found them yeah but he's using that after they've searched a lot over a large peri- uh, a large area and at the point where the things that would help them to search i.e. the the battery driven beacons are probably now now no longer operational so so it's absolutely true in that case to say that that their opportunity their window of finding them was is now gone
2: it's now up if they were going to
1: find them at any point they would have already found them so there are absolutely ways of using this in a non-fallacious way but but if you hear someone saying if it was going to happen it would have happened by now yeah often
0: or you or you're not
1: that's a fallacy
0: sorry (laughs) yeah so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks i love the game it's a great game i understand the game as well as anybody as well as anybody. Yes, it's time
1: for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news.
2: But there's kind of no point in playing it, really, because if I was going to win, I would have done so already.
1: The, the thing is, we can disprove this, in a way, because yeah. we could have said early on, if you were going to do better than chance, you would already be doing yep. better than chance, but now you are. so uh,
2: There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yes, so it, yes, all the things that if we you're going to get work higher than fifty
1: percent, you would have already be
2: there by now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty, which is probably true. Since we've been how long? We've we been doing this three years. Three years, yeah. <laughs> probably true. I mean, you know, it's kind of never say never, but you know, that's it's like the the sun will come up tomorrow because it always comes up tomorrow. You know, at one point that won't be true. Yeah. Anyway, on that cherry note. (laughs) (laughs) Billions of years, folks. Billions of
1: years. It's fine. uh, These examples are all from uh, Trump's kind of first speech back out in the world uh, when he went to the um, GOP state convention in North Carolina. And I mean, he rambled basically for about. Oh, 90 okay. I minutes. thought
2: you were going to say completely, utterly changed, and we realised his entire <laughs> term in office was an absolute made-up persona. Yeah, no, he he
1: rambled for about ninety minutes. He endorsed a couple of people. Uh, yeah. He um, talked about how he probably loves Lara Trump more than more than Eric. Um, <laughs> And and Eric's a bit short because he's only six foot five, and Baron's six foot seven, and and things like that. Yeah, but um,
2: (laughs) little Alex. But he
1: also played all the hits, and uh, okay, and and did some some new stuff too. So these are these are some of the things he said. Yeah. Number one, what we have to do is we know what we have to do, and that is stand up for our country. Because if we don't stand up, we're going to lose our country. And the people that are in charge right now, they're unbelievable. All the things they want are very, very bad. Bad things are happening on a level that nobody's ever seen. You see what goes on. It's all defunding. Defunding. Can you believe this? It's a disgrace, what's happening. We can't allow it to happen. We're going to take our country back and soon. Probably a lot sooner than you think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Number all two. hits are there, yeah. He said... Yeah.
1: Uh, We did things that nobody has ever done. I'm very proud of the biggest bet. This was maybe the greatest bet ever made in the history of the world because we saved a year. We bought billions of dollars of this vaccine before we even knew it worked. And because of that, Mm -hmm. we've all, most of you, I guess, all of you, just about, in one form or another, you've had your shots or jabs, as they like to call it. I actually like the other word better. But we've saved a lot of lives. We've saved all over the world. We've saved millions and millions of lives, and I'm very proud of it.
2: You've had it in one form or another, you've had a shot. like you know, It could be like a, a light, internal light, or a kind of a cleansing. Yeah, one form. you've either have a shot in j- one form or another. And statement number three, okay. uh, this time yeah.
1: he was talking about his visits to Dover Air Force Base to, to kind of meet um, fallen soldiers' coffins back. Right. It was the most terrible thing to watch, and the general in charge would say, Sir, you're going to see things you maybe will not have seen. Like what, General. He said, mothers and wives and even fathers sometimes breaking through the military ranks and jumping on top of the coffin. And I got to see that one time where a mother was just absolutely, she was devastated. She jumped on, and these incredible, extremely fit soldiers are taking that coffin and would jump onto the coffin and they wouldn't do a thing. They would just keep walking.
2: Oh, right. As they're carrying it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Righto. <laughs> Right, uh, like what, general? <laughs> like he would say that, that So You got yeah. he t- I hate he, the way he talks about himself in the third person. He touched I, a lot of a lot of topics in this speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's gone. He'd, yes, gone over a lot of ground and, and tried out some new material. He played the hits. You know, kind of like two for them, one for me, off his new album. You know, then a couple of the hits, and they're all shouting for oh, the old stuff. Yeah, okay. Right, uh, the biggest bet of the thing. Well, he's going to brag about the vaccines because it seems to be working, or is it? And a bad thing. Defunding what we have. What we know. <sighs> Okay. Well, they the. Despite the fact that the jumping on the coffin sink is a new thing, I quite like that one but that might just be you trying to sneak in a new thing without it. Damn you. Uh, Okay, what we have to do is... Okay, I think that number one is the one you made up. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: So of the other two, which are you more convinced
2: by? I'm more convinced by number two, the biggest bet. Okay. Yeah. So number two... Yeah,
0: it's yeah real. We did things that nobody has ever done. I'm very proud of the biggest bet. This was maybe the greatest bet ever made in the history of the world because we saved a year. We bought billions of dollars of this vaccine before we even knew it worked. And uh, because of that, uh, we've all uh, most of you, I guess all of you just about in one form or another, uh, you've had your Shots or jabs, as they like to call it. I actually like the other word better, but you've we've we've saved a lot of lives. We've saved all over the world. We've saved millions and millions of lives, and we're very proud of it.
2: Apart from the fact riddled with lies, it's 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 his usual little bouncing ball of it. Kind of it goes on topic, and then like with with the bouncy ball, it kind of goes like that, and he's kind of like, and because of that, we've all. For well, most of you, for some of you, you've your <laughs> shots might be a shot. I like the other word, da, 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 and it kind of just peters out. And you think, what yeah, the fuck he was are very low energy about?
1: in this. Yeah, in this speech, yeah, he was a bit slurry. Face, and, the, greatest, yeah.
2: the greatest bet ever made in the yeah, the greatest of the world, bet ever made
1: in the history of the world. And as as yeah. someone who has run a casino into the ground, he would know.
2: <laughs> he would know that. Yeah, <laughs> um, the greatest killing in the history of the world. Yeah. You know, they killed more people.
1: I mean, the, the thing is, a, we bet, saved
2: a, year? a bet
1: kind of implies that there's some risk involved, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. And, and that he kind of foresaw that it, it would well, work exactly, out. Well, exactly,
2: yeah, that you're kind of playing the long game. Yeah. Or, you, you know, but actually what he did was short the bet as well. He kind <laughs> of went, okay, 500,000 people dead, yeah we might have to invest in an untested vaccine well that's well, kind of our Well here's the risk
1: that he took according to the New York Times yeah, yeah. Um, and and they made the administration made agreements with all of the different vaccine developers mm. but for the Pfizer one specifically uh, which was the first one developed uh that, yep. that was developed with money from germany no no money from operation warp speed went nope. into the development the federal government made an uh, agreement for 1.95 billion dollars yep. which would cover the first 100 million doses that kind of maybe sounds like a an, a big investment it's got um, a billion in there the entire yeah the entire cost of operation warp speed including this including the cost of all of the, the vaccines up to the point where trump left was was 12.4 billion which is almost exactly the same amount that trump paid american farmers because of his china tariffs
2: there you go um, yeah yeah
1: yeah yep. but but this almost two billion dollars in according to the agreement was only paid to pfizer uh, after the drug had been approved by the fda and the first hundred million doses were delivered
2: wow. to americans
1: so there was no money being paid. Not much being a paid. Risk, No, absolutely no. not. It o- they they'd... only paid if it worked.
2: Yeah, and after they... Yeah, it, they didn't pay it, it, it up worked And they put it into 100 million arms. Yeah. Wow. So there was Which absolutely
1: no risk
2: on, on the part of the US government no. in that. And it's such a measly amount of money compared with the oh, yeah. 37 billion pounds... We paid for the track and trace system, yeah. Yeah, now that was a so bet that didn't pay off. So, I yeah. don't
1: think I'd call it the biggest, greatest bet ever made in the history of no. the world. I nor think... did
2: he save the world, no, nor not did at all, he save no. all over the world, yeah, because you know, his investment in Pfizer. Well, there wasn't any, he, well, there wasn't they haven't,
1: any. as far as I mean, they may not no. have even got it yet if Pfizer, vac- uh, if Pfizer yeah, haven't yeah. vaccinated 100 million people yet,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and and he was very clear that he wasn't going to spend money outside of America. He wasn't going to make yeah. it available to the rest of the world until the whole of America. Yeah. Uh, so you also thought number three was real? I I do.
0: And number yeah. three, yeah, is is
1: real. Yeah.
0: It, it was the most uh, terrible thing to watch, and the general in charge would say, "Sir." Um, You're going to see things that you maybe will not have seen. Like what, General? I said mothers and wives and even fathers sometimes breaking through the military ranks and jumping on top of the coffin. And I got to see that one time where a mother was just — she was just absolutely — she was devastated. She jumped on, and these incredible, extremely fit soldiers are taking that coffin. And would jump onto the coffin, and they would just keep walk. They wouldn't do a thing; they would just keep walking.
1: Now, this clip <laughs> was retweeted or tweeted by the Columbia Bugle um, yeah. with the heading "Moving Story" by President Trump on seeing our fallen soldiers brought back home and speaking with their families. Um, and, Mo- it, Brian, and it was, was
2: moving story. Yeah, it was retweeted
1: okay. by Candace Owens, who said, "Incredible man. This is why the left is going through incredible efforts to try to silence him and the majority of Americans who want him back." It's also a total wow. fucking lie.
2: <laughs> he didn't do any it of that. It
1: is a complete and total made-up story. Wow. Trump went to Dover Air Force Base four times during his entire yeah. presidency,
2: which is appalling. Yeah, a, I can remember we, we were kind of talking about that yeah. before, where he would say, I, I can't stand it, I don't yeah. do it. Yeah, he went within a few weeks
1: after his disastrous raid in Yemen went badly wrong yeah. and killed uh, a soldier um, he went to support the the return of that soldier and and the soldier's father refused to talk to him at all um, yeah. after that he didn't go back for almost two years um, he wow. four times in his entire presidency they are very well documented nothing like this ever happened the The closest thing that happened was at one of the events a a woman kind of Ran towards the plane when the coffins were being brought off, but was stopped by military personnel and, and kind of comforted and brought back behind the lines, right, but that happened before he even arrived
2: <laughs> so who trump, trump yeah yeah, you can kind of tell that he's telling a lie because that whole bit about sir yeah when Ed- when everybody addresses him as sir, he loves telling we love saying that. And then he kind of he, he follows it up with the response to them as you know major or sergeant or yeah.
1: The, but this the, whole it, section, yeah. he, this was an extended um, monologue wow. about the stuff that happened when he went to to kind of Walter Reed Hospital and met soldiers who'd been wounded and went to Dover and and yeah. uh, you know took part in the the returns and it's it is unconscionable that he is using these people's yeah. stories making up stories about them and, yep. and, and putting
2: himself in and, there and, yeah acting like he good.
1: cares about the troops yeah. to yeah. to yeah to get people's kind of doesn't give a shit because they call them losers or
2: didn't, uh, oh yeah suckers
1: and losers, losers absolutely why would they yeah. why would they fight yeah. what were they getting out of it
2: and even his tone is kind of like late lenny bruce it's that sort of the stuff when he's been sued for saying motherfuckers on stage <laughs> and he's just getting tired and and uh, and he, th- he thinks he's still funny mm. and yet, and and yet there's that cognitive dissonance where people just want him to be the savior to be the wise uh empathetic person he's never been by saying, oh, it's a very moving story. He said, yeah, it's all made up. He doesn't give a shit about you. It never has. Yeah. Can you not see he's trying to wheedle his way back into your affections like a really bad ex? He took so- John Voigt with him
1: on one of his trips to Dover <laughs> Air Force Base. Yeah. Like a kind yeah. of, you know, come and see the dead soldiers meeting.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah.
1: fucking weird and disrespectful.
2: In the, and it's that kind of... And, There's that movie reference, because John Voight played a a comeback boxer or something, and all of that stuff, where he's kind of like the old soldier or the old boxer who's getting up to do it for his daughters. With, to be fair, in the the chant,
1: Ricky Schroeder, who has also turned into a right-wing arsehole in recent (laughs) years.
2: (laughs) What is it about
1: those people? (laughs) All of which means that uh, you got this one right.
2: Hey! Oh, right! Aha! oh that was oh fantastic
1: my my number one uh was based on a a kind of rambling section like that which it wasn't really clear what he was talking about but (laughs) what he was talking about was largely about kind of standing up for getting our country back and everything will be good and now now it's bad and it will be good if we do the right thing and all that kind of stuff it didn't make any sense didn't wasn't about anything he just kind of lost his place on it's the teleprompter of the a bit. it's
2: the bit where he's, <laughs> when he's getting up from the you know it's the sammy davis jr stuff uh-huh. where they they kind of go oh look sammy d is in the house and he kind of walks from uh-huh. the the cocktail table way back over there yeah up Got to, to fill the stage the <laughs> yeah yeah does a little bit of rambling uh-huh. kind of go hey how you doing where are you from yeah all, all that kind of stuff
1: uh so basically that means that you have you have clawed your way back up to 47 percent you uh, see, congratulations, it, you're getting closer and closer to that 50%. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you
2: know, yeah, thanks for the vote of, vote of confidence. <laughs> that's right, you know. It's not so much a win as, you know, I never kind of win these things, it's just that you lose. Yeah. That's, that's how you look at these things. It's not, we don't celebrate a victory, we commiserate you for another loss. Yeah.
1: And this is the part of the show that this week at least is called GB News is not a logical fallacy because in the UK we've had a new TV channel start up yeah in the last couple of weeks uh called GB News which yeah. is fucking amazing.
2: <laughs> and it's kind of it's frightening and awful in turn. It's kind of it's some of it's kind of disappointing because some of the presenters they're kind of mainstream BBC presenters—they're the people that got into trouble with the BBC for being really harsh journalists and holding leaders to account in a way that actually the BBC <laughs> advocates around the world. Andrew Neil—you know—he was the one that kind of was the, was the big beasts that pe- that Boris would. Refused to go be interviewed by because he would just kind of cut him short and say you, well, yeah. you're a you're a idiot a liar and a charlatan.
1: But Andrew and, Neal has well, had enough of people yeah being in any way politically that. correct or woke or kind of yeah. kind to anyone. That's,
2: well, I think it's you know it's a bit like John Humphreys was who was on the kind of Current Affairs show on BBC Radio every morning. Um, he said, "Well, yeah, I kind of retired and gave up because I didn't want to get up at 4 a.m. every day. Now I'm in my 80s or whatever he is, but actually he just become as most, you know, sort t- t- of maybe it's true. hope It won't be true of us, of course, but th- that people get as they get older, they move more to the right and they they've just become." intolerant, gammon-faced right-wingers <laughs> who kind of moan about the young people of today. And when they say the young people of today, they mean the Beatles in the 60s. You know, they've got to with their long hair and their smart suits and their close harmonies bringing down the fabric of society. They're the kind of... They are, they've become the people they complain uh, that their parents had become. So they're just... But there's plenty German. of of
1: young right wing people on the on oh, yeah. G B yeah. news as well. Um but yeah. but yeah, basically it's been set up as a uh, as a right wing news source essentially, in response yeah. to um, you know commie pinko news <laughs> companies like Can- BBC. Cancel Culture, yeah um Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, Those kind of those kind of outlets like Sky News, Channel Four News, BBC, yeah. where they think actually what we should do is not have an opinion but present yeah, both you know, sides of the story. Globally respected news organisations. Yeah, you know, <laughs> holding people to account by maintaining a kind of moral high ground, but you know, all of that stuff has got in the way of people just being able to say what they want about the number of coloured people in my neighbourhood. Yeah. You know, because there's, as we know, the right-wing voices are being stymied all across the media outlets, despite the fact that all but maybe two, maybe three of the uh, newspapers in the UK are right-wing newspapers, and, you know, uh, which publish constantly... The right-wing voices, you know, and people go on Twitter and complain about how right-wing voices are being quashed to their 7 million followers yeah. and appear on television yeah. and say right-wing voices are not being heard on the mainstream <laughs> media. Yeah, But the best thing talk about, about
1: their new book. GB News is the fact that it seems yeah. that all competent TV technicians like behind-the-scenes people, um, none, none are, of are them liberals. None of went with
2: them. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. cause it's fucking awful. It's like it's like a bad
2: student TV station. It's, well, that, see, you doesn't... See, the thing is, we've both been on student TV stations. <laughs> yeah. That's where we learned Absolutely. And ours were much, much, much better. Hence why Be I said it, a bad they student been... TV station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't come across any bad student, except for maybe the one in uh, Wayne's World. That was a cable TV, yeah, really shit cable, cable TV, yeah. that kind of. Yeah. But that's taking the piss out of <laughs> yeah. really bad TV stations. It's that kind of stuff. It's the ones that don't actually exist. They're fictional. <laughs> They're really bad. They're awful that's what it's like i mean yeah i mean they too, are their yeah.
1: chirons are almost all misspelled they <laughs> they yeah. they put the wrong name for people they spell yeah. people's names wrong when they do get their names right on the they, on yeah. the on-screen graphics that show you where their reporters are reporting from, they're almost they're always not, wrong. It yeah. usually says live from <laughs> yeah. Huddersfield, despite the fact that someone is, you know, in Cardiff not. and someone else is in Cambridge. Yeah. And
2: yeah, outside the famous hospital in Cambridge, talking about <laughs> yeah. hospital things, live from Huddersfield, and it's kind of like there is the the. Don't know whether it, yeah, American viewers must have come across it. Alan Partridge, that oh, yeah, kind yeah. of oh, it's, it's very Alan Partridge. It's properly Alan Partridge. Uh-huh. If it wasn't. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't have a Chris Morris I mean, if it right wasn't the for end. the fact that
1: Richard Madeley has become Alan Partridge, like, completely yeah. on yeah. on Good Morning <laughs> yeah. Britain, um, yeah. it would be, yeah, it would be the main Alan Partridge station. But yeah. um, also they're having enormous amounts of technical problems with microphones and and connecting to people who are kind of yeah. connecting with them by, via Zoom or whatever. Um, Michelle Dubry... Who, whose claim to fame was was I think coming second in a series of The Apprentice in the UK. Um, right. She she's one of the presenters, and she was yeah. kind of happy to have a, a guest in the studio because then they yeah. wouldn't have any technical problems,
2: um, <laughs>
1: and and then they and then, couldn't cut to the other person. So her interview with him was just her talking, and then a voice coming from off oh camera. Oh no!
2: So um, it might as well have been on. Zoom yeah, absolutely. No camera. Yeah. Um, the, the one, the clip I really liked was when somebody's speaking and there's somebody drilling. Yes. In the background, so they're still building the set.
1: Absolutely. Or
2: something behind them.
1: There is a great Twitter account called um, @gbnewsfails,
0: which <laughs> has compiled
1: just the first week. They've stopped after the first week of of a of kind of amateurish. Bullshit that this, yeah, yeah. this news station has and even, done.
2: Well, even the live stuff. So I did look at the the Twitter feed of the actual live uh, account, and there's uh, Simon McCoy is kind of reading out, ostensibly, you know, reading from the auto cue. But you, could, it's, he's he's in vision, the laptop in front of him, uh-huh. and he's looking off camera, holding a remote, so he's obviously operating his own auto queue. But you're not seeing the view through the auto cue. Yeah. Normally, you know, they look straight into the camera in front of which the auto cue is being projected. So it's just and you think
1: Yeah, what and the Simon fuck? McCoy yeah. does a yeah. regular um a kind of good news section. Yeah. Which I think is supposed to be ironic because he's his persona is a little bit of a grumpy bloke. Um, mm. and um for a couple of nights running they couldn't show the pictures that went along with his good news stories. And the thing is, the good news stories were based entirely on the pictures. So he was he was kind of trying to describe this thing that, that people had kind of thrown mud at to make it funny. Yeah. Yeah. And he was saying, oh, you know, I, I, I really wish we could show you the picture because that is funny. It's a good picture, but we can't. And how
2: hard it's is it? Just, oh I know. God. Hold,
1: fuck it. I, we, I did. Just, when we both worked at Channel 5, um, yeah. we had a, a kind of there was a, a program for people to um, see what other people's jobs were like. Right. And and not a lot of TV production happened at Channel 5 at the time. They only really did the news. The other stuff was all yeah. bought in. Um, but we went to the National Film and Television School in, in groups of, like, 20. And we spent a weekend kind of team building and, and, and right. stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And we did a, a, a news broadcast. And I was yep. picked to be director in the, in this kind of, in the gallery. In the
2: gallery, um,
1: yep. Kind of calling the shots and, and the vision mixing and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and the, the, the one that we made on our first day of trying yep. to make a news programme yeah, that that was just you know a couple of presenters who'd never been on camera before, people working the cameras who'd never worked camera, me and the gallery. We made a far better news program. Yeah, than yeah. anything that has appeared on GB with no News. No
2: experience in twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, know, I know, and that's the thing. You know, Simon McCoy is kind of. It's weird because he's. I've actually worked with Simon McCoy, and he's very good at the off the cuff. Stuff where he makes a comment on the ridiculousness of whatever's going on, and he's really very good at that. To be fair, he did also
1: take a ream of paper on to cat on camera once. That is true, yeah, yeah, to pretend
2: to be a yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's those things where you just kind of think, Yeah, we're not going to be able to fix that in post (laughs) because this is live, yeah, we're not, it's not like the rehearsal, yeah, so it is yeah and and as an editor and you know we we kind of know that you you need to main to sustain people's engagement with stuff you've got to be able to deliver the pictures to support the words because actually they're somewhat more powerful and having the the chirons running underneath as kind of um you know illustrating what they're saying as the 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 third element of um, reinforcement of what, of the message, you know, you need to have all of that going on at the same time to have a rich experience. And it's just so amateurish. There's no. Uh, yeah. And
0: they don't, they're,
1: they're having like phone calls and emails and stuff going straight through to the studio rather than through a producer, <laughs> which yeah. has resulted in them getting and reading out on camera messages from people like Mike Hunt and Mike Oxlong and, and <laughs> Hugh Janus
2: excellent. Yeah, and Hugh Janus. Yeah. That's so good. Um and they have no. Absolutely.
1: It is Bart Simpson level stuff. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh. Brilliant. That is brilliant. It is. it's so good. And what and what's what's great about it is that, you know, the great British public to whom they think they're serving <laughs> is actually gets wise to it far quicker. Oh, they'd. yeah, absolutely. So they would just kind of jump in and, and, you know, pull the trousers down live on air and things like that in a kind of witty British way. But that's, yeah, but there was a great thing that somebody tweeted and called it, um, there is a, there's a children's TV channel um, in in Britain called uh, CBBC, which is Children's BBC, And the kind of the preschool version of that is called CBeebies, like um, children's BBC babies. And so somebody tweeted, this is GBeebies, like GB News. So it's GBeebies. And they described it as something for the woke kids to sit their gammon-faced parents in front of for a couple of hours to keep them quiet whilst they get on with sorting out the world. (laughs) So it's kind of, it's the... It's an old people's home for people whinging about Harry and Meghan. Oh, God, yeah. Or, Very, you know, yeah. the, the triple lock pension, or, you know, it's all of the Pro stuff Brexit. that um, anti Brown. Uh, yeah, people, yeah, yeah. It's all that. It's the, it's the, it, it's Alf Garnet If Alf Garnet was reading the news or Archie Bunker was reading the news, this is what it would yeah. be like and obviously one of the they're, things
1: they're very against is cancel culture yeah um and in the first few days a number yeah. of their advertisers decided <laughs> to pull their ads many of them yeah. it seems had not been um aware that their ads were going to be shown on this channel i think cuz it's done, right. done through kind of aggregators and and yeah. you know yeah. uh, sky media i think is the organisation that actually right places the adverts on behalf of brands. So brands like Ikea, Vodafone, uh, Grolsch, a uh, cider company called Copperberg, uh, Specsavers, opticians company, they, they've they all yeah. said, no, we don't want our company associated with these views that are being, these values that are being yeah. expressed on this channel.
2: Which are very um, xenophobic, misogynistic views. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, very, so um, in the interest um, of, of uh, kind of, you know, being against cancel culture there have been calls to uh, to boycott all of the companies that have pulled their Brilliant. adverts from GB News. Brilliant. Just because companies aren't choosing to pay them money. Yeah. So so they're like, right, well, we're not going to IKEA anymore. Um, well,
2: it's that, it's that kind of whole self-righteous, self-entitled white supremacist thing. Uh-huh.
1: One yeah. of the best things I've seen about GB News is in, I think it was the Express which is right. which serves exactly the same demographic,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, um, and kind of points out the value of the houses will drop yeah, yeah. because of whatever. Um, and they were talking <laughs>
1: yeah. about first of all how GB News had, like, in the first few minutes, um, mm-hmm. they had kind of three hundred and thirty thousand viewers and were yeah. um, beating Sky and the BBC put together. Um, right. they didn't. They didn't go into detail over how the fact that it was just the first few minutes and like within an hour <laughs> yeah. it was down to about 150,000 people yeah um they they talked about how people were now now that there is an alternative to the bbc uh, news right. people were cancelling their tv licences and just watching gb news um which
2: uh-huh.
1: you because of the weird fucking system we have in the UK, yeah, yeah, you have to have a TV license, even though the money only goes you to the have, BBC. Yeah, you have to have it to watch any live TV. Any TV. Yeah, so if yeah, you're yeah. watching GB yeah. News, you still have to be paying your TV license.
2: Yeah.
1: So that isn't a solution. Yeah. No. So I hope many of them it's... are doing that, and that the vans with spinning roof racks go around down that yeah. street and, <laughs> exactly. uh, and the TV and find detector them. <laughs> vans
2: that we were that we were all terrified by <laughs> in the. 70s and 80s and you think well at the time i did think well if they're spending all this money on advertising to tell us about the 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 van why yeah. don't they just come and get us i, why I isn't there honestly
1: a... i could do a a wonder woman 84 length <laughs> rant about tv licensing but i'd better second not second
2: class stamps <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. A local Fox News reporter in Houston
1: decided to end her career in style last week when she opened her report on the Texas heat wave with this. Thanks, guys. That's right. Before we get to that story, I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas it's going to help put that out tomorrow, so tune into them. But as for this heat wave, it seems like if she was any good as a reporter, she might have looked into Project Veritas's reputation. But then, if she was any good as a reporter, she probably wouldn't have been working for Fox in the first place. Conservatives who feel like Fox is a bit too left-wing got all excited about what the revelations would be. Fox, meanwhile, immediately fired Hecker and then told the Daily Beast, This incident involves nothing more than a disgruntled former employee seeking publicity by promoting a false narrative produced through selective editing and misrepresentation, which is a fantastic bit of ignoring linear time. Like, sure, now she's a disgruntled former employee. Anyway... (laughs) It turns out that Hecker was being muzzled because she wasn't allowed to do stories about Bitcoin during the 5pm broadcast because nobody who's watching then cares about Bitcoin and that she was told she failed as a reporter for still pushing hydroxychloroquine stories long after it had been debunked.
2: So, yay Fox?
0: <laughs> Maybe.
2: <laughs> he, who it is not legal to believe, Tucker Carson is, as usual, breaking the law of causality on Fox News in his explanation of who was behind the Capitol Hill insurrection on January 6th. After all, those involved, he calls them unindicted co-conspirators, have not been prosecuted yet. Yeah, but that's because lawyers are building cases in the world's most litigious country, that's probably wise. Nor, says Carlson, has any of the subjects been named. Well, yeah, see above. Why is that, he asks. Obviously, he didn't hear me explain either of those just then. And he doesn't even wait for an answer. But in true racy-wrist, registered trademark, fashion, well, if anti-fascists can be diminished into Antifa, then cosplaying conspiracy theories can be diminished to racy-wrist. In true racy-wrist fashion, he allows his audience to simply use their biases. You know why. It's because they are almost certainly working for the FBI. Ah, yeah... Silly me, that could be the only possibility that logically and inexorably follows. The government knows who they are and yet won't arrest them because they work for them. Those of us familiar with the need for a lodestar to follow amongst the leader-craving directionless Q, Q+, and Q-curious racist communities, see our sister podcast for patrons, recognise the ache for absolute certainty that comes with stupid... Carlson is the anonymous twat, sorry, tweeter, being a bully behind a humourless ID. He's the little skinny kid waving his fist from behind the bigger kid, saying, yeah, thump him, go on, as Tucker himself says. This is crazy and we should resist it. Yeah, too right, quick, before the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene add extra wheels to the populist bandwagon in an attempt to get the racist community to unthinkingly give her lots of money. Oh, no, I think we may
1: be too late. A long time ago, Mark and I ran a film festival together. And, um, well, we totally overestimated the local interest in independent film and hardly anyone showed up. In a totally unrelated story, Mike Lindell, the pillow salesman who looks like someone ordered Ron Swanson on Wish.com, <laughs> held a rally the other weekend in Wisconsin and, well, hardly anyone showed up. Most embarrassingly, the jets that Mike expected to fly over at the end of the national anthem didn't show up either, leaving Mike awkwardly standing on the stage looking into the distance and saying, Is that them? It wasn't. In other rally news, Trump announced a tour with Bill O'Reilly through the end of the year, and Trump's most ardent supporters, the QAnon crowd, are furious. Yeah, I thought they'd be happy too, but it turns out that this messes with their theory that he's going to be back in the White House by August. Honestly, I don't know why this is the mental hurdle they can't pole vault over, because usually they believe six much more impossible things before breakfast. Meanwhile, another barrier to Trump's return to power might be the announcement that the Manhattan DA's office is now investigating Trump's COO and former bodyguard, Matthew Calamari, which, to be honest, I only bring up for one glorious reason. And this is a story... Which you will not believe, but I fucking swear is true, <laughs> and I first heard this through a Twitter account which is at this twit is lit right, and the person who runs that account had done some research into Matthew Calamari and got yep. his birth certificate right. and to because because I couldn't believe this was true, I uh signed up for a free trial on ancestry dot com so that I could look at the original document <laughs> and yeah.
0: That's how I fucking swear yeah. to you, <laughs>
1: in, in, on his birth certificate, on yeah. the birthplace, yeah. it says Matthew
2: Calamari was born at sea. Wow. That is brilliant, isn't it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> of course you would be. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, is it written in Squid Ink, his uh, signature? That is Brilliant. It's my
1: favourite thing ever.
2: <laughs> that is so good. And it's kind of, you know, it's sli- something slightly fishy about him, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> H- in H- Insert your joke here. Yeah. <laughs> we all have that uncle who at Christmas, when we were a kid, could make a spoon, stick to his nose. And when we asked, could someone explain it? They played along saying it was magic or magnetism because we were like four. Now, imagine getting someone to do that before a committee in an Ohio State House as part of a Republican campaign to advance House Bill 248, which would prevent schools and businesses from asking people if they're vaccinated, for instance. So, your uncle, who's now well into his 90s, is demonstrating his party trick to them. And you, now an adult in your 40s and a qualified medical professional at that are asking the gathered judiciary to explain it for you. Somewhere between acute embarrassment and the tooth fairy and Santa, oh, oh, no, spoiler alert, someone would cough and mumble and talk about capillary action, the combined curvature of noses and spoons, and your uncle would nod and the spoon would fall off and the cat would be out of the bag. Ridiculous. Never happened in real life. Except, yes, it did. Last Tuesday, an anti-vaxxer nurse, in an appeal to her own authority, tried to defend Dr. Cherie Tenpenny's testimony about magnetic vaccine crystals. Spoiler alert, no such thing. Which channels 5G signals, nope, by sticking a key magnetically to her chest. (laughs) A brass
1: key, no less.
2: Yes, (laughs) yes. Those kind of... You know, a bit like a a penny is isn't magnetic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something about the interplay of almost horizontal surfaces of her chest and moisture and then also failing to do the same to her much more vertical neck with the key and even a much lighter hairpin. Turned out she'd learned this over lunch, that it would be possible, possibly from the joke book that came with the Happy Meal her uncle bought her. Neither the hearing committee nor Dr. Sherry Tempany has thanked her for her testimony. However, gravity, the public behind her and a mass TV audience laughed in a four-year-old reddening face.
1: <laughs> there is a great uh, video on Twitter of a guy who has uh, who sticks a nickel to his arm. Right. Um, like where he had his vaccination and says, "Yeah, that, you know, I've been told that what I need to do is put some baby powder on this and try it again. So here we go. Uh-huh. I do this. And yeah. he does it. And obviously, immediately the nickel slides off. Yeah. And then he kind of just looks at the camera and goes, OK, I have an apology to make.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. It's like, yeah. So if you were sorry, you wouldn't have done uh-huh. it. Yeah. 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 That is brilliant. <laughs>
1: Texas GOP Congressman Louis Gohmert was obviously listening to our last episode and heard that Mo Brooks was making a run at the coveted title of dumbest congressperson. Well, Louis said, hold my motherfucking beer, and secured the championship for 2021. On a Zoom call with Jennifer Eberlein, the... Associate Deputy Chief of the US Forest Service, Gomer started brainstorming ways to combat climate change and recalled that NASA had said that the moon's orbit was gradually changing, as is the Earth's orbit around the sun. And he asked the grown-up he was talking to, is there anything that the National Forest Service or the Bureau of Land Management can do to change the course of the moon's orbit Mm. or the Earth's orbit around the sun? Obviously that would have profound effects on our climate, end quote. Now, there are those who say he was being sarcastic, which he wasn't, and still more who say he was just being a science-denying arsehole claiming climate change is not anthropogenic. Of course, when one of the options is a Republican politician being a science-denying arsehole, that's usually the right one. But I feel those people are just failing to grasp how profoundly stupid Louis is.
2: Yeah, nothing to do with (laughs) Ockham Fraser or watching the day the Earth caught fire. It's actually, yeah, it's (laughs) Like some kind of light, like some kind of cleansing. <laughs> can we not just, you know, alter the? Can we not just
0: swivel yeah. can, the Earth a not bit? Not
2: just us, but like the the Forestry Service
1: the Commission. Yeah, can can the, they not do something yeah, yeah. about the orbit the of people the people
2: that have got you know like intercontinental ballistic missiles? are having that, trouble raking their forests. Yeah, with, <laughs> <laughs> with that they need Trump to show them how to do it. Yes, exactly. Remember when we were all exhorted to make America great again? In the possibly rather retro FBI acid tested Cold War mind of good old boy Tom Cotton. Yes, Republican. Yes, Arizona. America great again was somewhere between Sputnik and Neil Armstrong. Steeped in black and white, Doctor Strangelove, Cold War sci fi, racy wristism. He's written a letter. Yes, he writes, and yes, he's that old school. To Joe Biden, warning about the true intent of the hosts of the 2022 Winter Olympics. In the letter, Cotton warns Biden that Beijing plans on using the 2022 Winter Olympics as a giant funnel for precious American DNA, harvesting the nation's fittest and finest for their genomic information as part of a plan to achieve military dominance. Well, apart from the seemingly genetic co-presence of predilections for racism, obesity, distrust of communist principles in the very DNA of all American heroes, he could be on to something. No, he isn't. He is slim Pickens riding the nuke to his target, wahooing his cowboy hat, ignorant of any and all ramifications of his misogynist, xenophobic, warmongering mongering Racy wrist attitudes. Yeehaw!
1: It was the G7 last week, and Joe Biden visited the UK and met with the Queen and various world leaders, all of whom looked significantly more relaxed now that they don't have to make awkward small talk with bloaty (laughs) McBloatface. On the whole, Biden seemed to do pretty well. But of course, Hannity and the rest of the Fox News team characterised the entire visit as a disastrous embarrassment. But heaviest condemnation came for his meeting with Putin. Basically, it seems that sometime in May, the entire Republican Party and right-wing media went to that company from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and had all memory of Trump's disastrously embarrassing 2018 summit with Putin in Helsinki erased from their minds. At least, that's the only explanation for the official RNC statement that, quote, giving Putin a meeting is just the latest win that Joe Biden has handed Russia, or for Hannity Mm -hmm. saying, quote, Vladimir received a massive platform in exchange for zero concessions whatsoever. What they didn't mention is that Biden didn't sign with Putin over every US intelligence agency, defend the fact that Putin's a killer on the grounds that America's got a lot of killers, or call him very smart.
2: Yeah. In British politics this time, hopeless bloke Dominic Cummings says hopeless bloke Boris Johnson called hopeless bloke Matt Hancock a hopeless bloke. A fucking hopeless bloke, to be precise, on WhatsApp. Nothing we didn't know. And which, of course, has made no difference. Driven by data, not dates, Boris Johnson reneged on his promise to lift all COVID restrictions by 21st June and postponed it to 19th July. Because of the Delta virus, he failed to stop coming into the country by May 15th. The intervening space will of course be completely spaffed up the wall by useless blokes and will be no further forward, backwards, sideways or in any direction by then. It's beginning to dawn on them that putting all the vaccine eggs in one fixed Covid basket might not be the best policy if the fall guy Matt Hancock actually falls over and reveals that there is no actual point to putting the prick in the arm of 50 million people if you still can't stop the virus numbers rising or that such a large and inoculated populace will begin demanding that they might at least go and stand in a field in the open air with other disease-free people and listen to music from the likes of the vaccines, for instance. Perhaps we should just use the combined magnetic might of all 50 million of us to pull the screws out of the padlocks to the door of Number 10 Downing Street, swarm inside and reveal the emperor therein In all his new clothedness. No.
1: So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallacioustrump.com And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page.
2: If you think we've used the fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump just like our Strawman-level patrons Max Beaver, Cas Toohey, Stephen Bickles, Smoots, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan, and our top true Scotsman-level patron, Lauren. Thank you so much, everyone. We really do appreciate your support. You can connect with those
1: awesome people, as well as us, and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump.
2: More music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word... To the Donald.
0: That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!